In mythology and the study of folklore and religion, a trickster is a character in a story who exhibits a great degree of intellect or secret knowledge, and uses to play tricks or otherwise disobey normal rules and defy conventional behavior. Thanks for tuning in to the Global Novel. I'm Claire Hennessy. Today, I speak with Dr. Shepard Siegel, author of the recently published book titled "Tricking Power into Performing Acts of Love." As Siegel's work weaves together delightful stories of mischief from famous tricksters and reread a buried historical current of people who use creativity and play to challenge authority and envision new possibilities through music, comedy, writing, visual arts, and politics. Welcome, Dr. Siegel. Could you tell our listeners who you are? Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me, Claire.、Um, I started out as a child, and、uh, then I grew up in the、um, San Francisco Bay Area, and、uh, I grew up in a time of、uh, utopian dreams, where people were dreaming together, dreaming collectively of a better world, and so that's a very common thing all over the world. Is is People who want to make the world a better place, but this was also a very special moment when I was there. It was also a time of、uh, a difficulty, a big change in our country when we had a war going on, where uh, uh, American forces were deployed in Vietnam, and there was a very big peace movement. So, war is you know you know is really serious stuff. But even in the midst of this most serious of things, where people are killing other people and destroying their homes,、um, you still have to have your sense of humor. You still have to have something playful going on. And the beauty of the trickster is that the trickster compulsively makes a mockery of power. Now, I wasn't familiar with trickster mythology at the time, but as a young person. Who I am was very much defined by some of the characters,、um, the Yippie Party and Abby Hoffman, most notably, who were willing to make a mockery of power in in the midst of this terrible war. So that became a big part of who I am. But I'm also a, a musician and also an educator, also a special educator, and.、Um, I've done all those things and worked for a long time in the public schools systems, but、uh, now I'm at a point in my life where this message that has been latent in my life and brewing in my consciousness for so many years that I finally got around to writing a couple of books about it. Shall we begin with how do we define a trickster, and what are the examples of tricksters in folklore and mythology across cultures and time periods? Right. So one thing I discovered. So the first time I wrote my last book, it was called Disruptive Play, and when I first wrote it, I,、um, you know, as we know in the academic world, there's a, there's a. Academic organization for just about anything you can think of, and sure enough, there was a group that was dedicated to scholarly pursuits of play and playfulness. And I went to one of their conferences, and when I went to that conference, a colleague introduced me to this idea of trickster, which I had not heard of before. And one book in particular redirected a lot of my research. And the book was、uh, came out in 1989 by Lewis Hyde, called "Trickster Makes This World." 
And that turned me around so radically that I had to go back and rewrite that first book uh, with the, the trickster. So to give your listeners the shortest definition, and perhaps we can continue on with a more thorough one, um, I went to the uh, oldest uh, trickster we know of. And first of all, every folklore, every culture, every mythology in the world has a trickster character, and I can list a bunch. But let me start with the oldest story known to humanity, and that's the story of Wachunkaga. Wachunkaga is the trickster god of the, of the uh, Winnebago tribe who come from the central part of the United States. And I learned a lot from that, and it was an anthropological study written in the mid-1950s by Paul Radin, and none other than Carl Jung uh, wrote the preface to that book. Um, so I started reading about it, and, uh, you know, he in the book, he's re- he goes to the elders, and the elders tell him these trickster tales, and he's writing them down like a dutiful anthropologist does. And I'm reading these stories of this wily character who plays tricks, and tricks get played on him. And he, well, he isn't always a he. He changes into a woman some of the time and, and, and does all these schemes and fools others and fools himself. And he's very funny and happy-go-lucky. And I'm getting two-thirds of the way through these stories, and it hit me. I went, oh, my God, it's Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny is the great American trickster, side by side with Wachunkaga, who also comes from North America. So for your listeners, that's the shortcut to defining trickster, is watch Bugs Bunny cartoons, from which date to 1945, and his classic period goes into the late 1960s. Um, so that's one quick definition. You know, another one who's fascinated me the most is Eshuwalegba, who comes from West Africa. And fascinating just because the tales of Eshuwalegba are as intriguing as those of Wachunkaga, but also because African-American culture is uh, subliminally very influenced by Eshuwalegba, and not just African-American, but um, Caribbean culture, Cuba, the Caribbean, and even in Brazil, they have a version uh, called Eshu. Um, in, in, in Bavaria, you have Till Eulenspiegel, which some people may have heard of. From China, you have the Huli Jing. Um, also in America, Coyote is thought of. And so when I talk about tricksters, I use capital T and lowercase t. So when I say capital T trickster, I'm talking about a fictional character, like a folklore or mythology or a cartoon character or someone out of a novel or a play. And if I use lowercase t, I mean a human being. And in this case, I kind of um, use the same vernacular that you find in the Star Wars movies. So Star Wars movies are about the hero warrior archetype and when someone has a lot of that in them, we go, oh, the force is strong with her. The force is strong with him. And so I use that for tricksters. So when I talk about lowercase t tricksters, human beings, I would say these are people for who they can't have that divinity that a folklore character or a, god, a demigod or a god have, but the force is strong with them. So that could be like Jacob from the Hebrew Bible. 
Alfred Jarry, who uh, invented Dada before Dada even happened. He was quite the enfant terrible in, in France from Les Belles Époques. Uh, the composer, Eric Satie, from that same era. Um, and from the jazz world, uh, Thelonious Monk, because his jazz is so much like a child. Yoko Ono, um, Carolee Schneeman, Yayoi Kusama, uh, Banksy. Banksy is a current trickster type who fascinates me. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, one of my favorites that maybe we'll talk about later, Mae West. And then there's the last one I'll mention for right now is the most famous person to have never become famous. And his name was Lord Buckley. And he gets a whole chapter in the book. And I hope your listeners will pick up my book and take a look at the chapter on Lord Buckley, who is always about to break through. I mean, he invented beat and he invented the hippies before they even existed. He did this in the early 50s. He was an early subject of LSD experimentation. He was the last great vaudeville actor, and he presided over the death of vaudeville. Um, he was kind of like a zealot kind of character. He just showed up all over the place, but he never quite got famous. And I think that's partly due to his trickster character, because tricksters, their tricks backfire. Let me say one last thing, Claire. I'm, I'm so glad that you asked this question, because... And this is part of my intentions in writing the book. If I said I'd written a book about all the great generals in history and all the battles they fought and all the wars they won, your listeners would know what I was talking about immediately because we live in a warrior culture. We know warrior. We see it when we see people wearing camo, military garb, as if it were a fashion statement. We see it in all the violence in our streets. We see it in the political speech that seems to want to solve problems by defeating the uh, their opponents either you know physically with violence or or through the political process and it's not about doing the right things for people well the trickster doesn't fight power with power like the warrior does the trickster fights power with tricks but we have to define it because in living in a warrior culture, we're blinded and we can't even see what these other archetypes look like. So when I say trickster to an audience, I know that every person is getting a little different idea in their head. And that's why finding some definition and some commonalities about what I mean and what the scholars mean and what folklore tells us about trickster is important for um your audience and folks in general to get a common knowledge of. Although these archetypes of tricksters can diverge significantly from each cultural tradition, they also possess common traits of a trickster who challenges or improves our common human condition. In your book, you dedicated what I consider a poetics of trickster. In other words, you theorize the praxis of the political identity of a trickster. Could you share more on the major attributes of a trickster according to your theorization? Absolutely, I will. And um, I've, I've never, I've never been said. I, I, I love the language you use, and it's interesting the term poetics. Um, thank you very much. I'm, 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 it makes me happy to hear that. And, um, and one of my sources was uh, 
this book by Stolly Brass and another author called The Poetics of Transgression, which also talks about the, the carnival, you know, and in societies that have carnivals where the power structures are turned upside down. And um, I fell in love with that book. Um, but anyway, to get back to common so as I, I'm reading about Wakchunkaga, I'm watching my Bugs Bunny cartoons. I'm looking at old slapstick movies. I'm reading folklore like the Pirate Princess of, of Yemen. Um and, and 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 looking at pop culture, whether it's Banksy or Yoko Ono or Yoyoi Kusama, the people I named. So I started seeing these commonalities. And of course, you know, Loki is the trickster god in Norse mythology. I, I have my little beef with Marvel and in terms of how they portray Loki, but I'll give him I'll give him a, a B for effort. Uh, and, and, and and that comes brings us to that first attribute I would discuss. Because when Hollywood makes a movie, we're very much stuck in good guy, bad guy. You have to have the good guy and you have to have the bad guy. You have to have the villain. Western culture struggles to understand a creature who Henry Louis Gates Jr. calls the trickster morally indeterminate. In other words, the trickster is not evil, but they're not good either. They just want to have fun. And so they stumble through this world, and the beauty of the trickster cycle is that they eventually stumble into an episode that presents a moral dilemma. And they are compelled to resolve that dilemma. And so the trickster moves from moral indeterminacy to moral discovery. And this is an attribute that you find in many cultures and in many trickster stories. So it's not like the trickster is telling us to not be moral, but they're telling us to not listen to doctrine to not listen to somebody who lectures you about what is good and evil, what's right and what's wrong, but to go through life and think for yourself and have experiences and discover morality on your own. So that's one attribute. Um, these, another is that they are archetypes, and you can't kill an archetype. So even though I might be very critical of the warrior, I know you can't get rid of the warrior. Society needs the warrior. Human conscious needs the warrior. I just think that in the United States in particular, other countries as well, it's gotten out of hand. And the warrior just needs to be tamped down, needs to sit down and shut up. And let us listen to some of these other archetypes. Maybe it's the mother. Maybe it's the magician. Maybe it's the sage. Maybe it's the caretaker. And maybe it's the trickster which is my gig, you know, that's my jam. But, you know, the point is to listen to other voices and not let the warrior dominate our society. Okay, tricksters are boundary crossers. They love to cross boundaries. They break rules. So the fact is, any parents out there who have raised a child and tried to tell the child some rules and notice that the child will break the rule because they want to know what happens. Well, mom and dad just said, I can't do this. Well, what happens if I do? And that's a trickster characteristic. So everybody's got some trickster in them. The force is stronger with some than others. But tricksters learn by breaking rules and they cross boundaries. And this is why, and I know that we're going to talk a little bit about gender and gender diversity and so forth. And that is a very close relationship to the trickster because 
it's um, if you live in a society that has nor- only normalized heterosexuality, people with gender diversity are, are by cultural definition, boundary crossers and rule breakers. Uh, tricksters do tend to be loners. Uh, notice Bugs Bunny tends to be a loner, you know. I mean, he often dresses up as a woman and makes a play for Elmer Fudd, and there will be a romantic kiss, humorous kiss between Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd, but they never really get together and have a relationship. Um, and the other thing about their tricks, and this is that cartoonish aspect of them, is that they play tricks, but tricks get played on them too. Um, and even if you look at Loki, the original stories of Loki, the Norse trickster god, Loki's um, initial contribution was inventing the fish net, a net by which you could, you know, catch fish. And then he he burned it up later on. He had his reasons. He didn't want people to discover his invention. Later on, and we know Thor and Odin were. Um, obsessed with punishing Loki, and they rediscovered his blueprints, if you will, for the fishnet, and they built a fishnet and captured him that way. So his trick, which was a trick to catch fish, ended up backfiring on him. But you see it in cartoons, and you see it with other tricksters. So they're 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 all they're only partially competent in terms of playing tricks. Um, I, I, you know, and one thing I also kept running into in my research, and I, I'm reading this and I'm going, oh God, really? Do I have to report this out? But I'm a disciplined researcher, and you have to go where the facts take you, right? And that's our job is to just report what we read. Well, tricksters really like fart jokes, and they really like poop jokes. And I'm going, okay, there it is. And whether it's Till Eulenspiegel, who uses. Uh, I'll use a, the polite word of scatology, uses scatology in a lot of his stories. And when um, Richard Strauss wrote the symphonic poem Till Eulenspiegel, he even has the French horns and the trombones um, making a fart noise as part of it. And at first this stymied me. I'm going, why? Why do I keep finding this? But then I thought about it and I went, you know, the, the the trickster is in a human is a grown-up who is still playful the way they were as a child. And when you're a little child and you're three, four, five, six years old and you're learning your first jokes, nothing is funnier. Nothing's funnier than farts and poops, you know? So it does tie to the child. Here's one that stymies people, um, and then we could pause. There's a few more, but um, but this is an important one. The tricksters are liars, right? Because they play tricks, and a trick is a form of deception. But they're also saviors, and uh, people. This is why tricksters fascinate me, and people have a hard time getting their arms around that. Well, isn't isn't a savior someone who comes and tells the truth? Well, some of the trickster characters on Earth in the United States right now, who I admire greatly, are the Yes Men. And the Yes Men pull pranks and they impersonate corporate figures and do pranks to embarrass corporations that have done bad things. So they're telling a lie, they're impersonating someone, but they do it in order to reveal a greater truth because they get on TV, they get on radio, and they expose the sins so the, one of their more famous ones was exposing 
um, Union Carbide, which was bought by Dow Chemical, and they had a, um, uh, um, with the poisons that you you put on your plants, um, or fertilizer. Actually, it was a fertilizer plant in Bhopal, India. If you have enjoyed this episode so far and want to hear the entire episode, you can subscribe at theglobalnovel.com/slash subscribe. Thank you so much for listening.